0: Welcome, welcome, love to another episode of Words from the B Side with your girl, Coach Nita. Thank you for joining me for another session. This is, I hope you guys are having a great week. This has been a good, good start for me. It's Monday, and so many doors and opportunities are starting to open. It's amazing. Um, like I told you guys last week, I had my first women's wellness brunch Sunday, and let me tell y'all something about entrepreneurship it has its ebbs and flows, right? Because there's days where you're like, forget this, I'm done, I'm not doing this because you don't feel like you see the manifestation of the work that you put in and then you come back and you're like, wow, you start to see things really take off and look really good. And it's funny because as I stood in that room yesterday, I could see and think of everything that was going wrong that I didn't like, that didn't feel good to me. And the feedback that I got was so contrary to what it was that I felt standing up there. Like even down to the way that I was dressed, the things that I said, the women that I brought together on the panel, like there were rave reviews, the connections were beautiful. And one thing I always wanted to accomplish when I set out to start doing more local events as opposed to virtual classes and coaching and coaching you know, sessions one-on-one over the internet was to really connect women. And I felt like yesterday was the first real sign. And even though, you know, I do the coffee and convos and everything, yesterday was really a powerful event. Um, you know, I keep the settings small, but it was powerful to see the women come together and leave as though they had been friends forever. Um, and I felt like I had a room full of friends. So I'm grateful for those who came out. I'm grateful for those that were blessed by the event. I'm grateful to my panelists who came out to share themselves with the ladies in the room I feel genuine connections were made and I'm um, you know I'm praying for the success of every single person in that room's um, business and journey to self that they are all on and really taking with open hearts and open minds so more events to come for those who follow me definitely will get first dibs on all things PBC that are coming up in the future so anyway, let's go ahead and jump into uh, our first segment, Ear to the Street. So I just really, you know what? I, I hate to harp on this, y'all, and get back into the government shutdown, but everyone went back to work today. And as you know, we have this looming deadline of three weeks that the government may shut down again if um, the current president does not get his nearly $6 billion for a wall that likely will not work in this country and most Americans here are opposed to um, that they may, they may go back into a shutdown again. I'm praying not because people suffered in the 30 some odd days that they didn't work. Um, People with great jobs were going to food shelters and they were pawning their belongings. And you know, they really just did not know what the next day was going to bring. So I'm just praying for these people You know, I was still able to go to work because my contract was funded, Um, but I've been on the side of the mercy of the government making cuts and making decisions on the livelihood of other people. And it was a miserable experience. Um, So I I am definitely praying for you guys. I'm glad that you guys are back today. I'm not excited about the traffic that you bring, but I'm super excited that you are back and working and I pray that everything will work itself out and you will not have to experience again what has happened over the last 30 something days it's disheartening because we live here and sometimes it doesn't feel real you know what we are experiencing as a country so just be encouraged stay encouraged know God has a plan God is going to make provision for his for his people so you know I know it's easy to say but I want you guys to still stand strong in your faith on what um, is to come because God is never going to leave you nor forsake you so just be confident in that, you know, in your faith. Um, and then just a shout out, um, This Is Us who won a golden. Was it a golden globe? Yes, it was a golden globe. That is a phenomenal show. Listen, I cry every time that show comes on. I cry during nearly every episode of This Is Us. It's the most incredibly written script. And the most amazing put-together cast I've ever seen other than Lost. But listen, Lost is is long gone. So focusing on This Is Us, I'm just really excited for them, for their win. They deserve it. They're phenomenal, each of them in their own right. And I'm really excited to see what comes next. And then even a shout-out to the Black Panther. They won an um, a Oscars Guild Award. And they're going to be doing a full week screening in the month of February for Black History Month of free showings of Black Panther. So y'all look that up and take advantage of that because it was a great movie. And even if you wanted to see it again, I'm sure you will still have the same experience that you had when you saw it the first time. So anyway, guys, we're going to hop into the topic of today, which is pretty much surviving abuse. And I had on a rape victim advocate she owns her home business she's actually gonna provide her bio beautiful soul um she's based out of pennsylvania she has her home business she works at a rape crisis center she lends herself to the community she lends herself to the church she gives of herself and we had a great conversation around um not just surviving r kelly the special but what it means to be a victim, how that looks, how that shows up in your life, how we can help people who have been victims or victimizers. There's so many things that come um, with this topic because it's so loaded. And I did kind of want to jump on the so-called quote unquote bandwagon because I too have survived, you know, different levels of abuse, not rape, but I have been, you know, physically assaulted in ways that I did not want or deserve, and, and it affected my life in a really uh, heavy way. It affected how I took care of myself, how I saw myself. It actually affected how I felt about me, what I thought about me. My self-esteem was very low, and you know, all of these things were happening, and I didn't even know. You know, I wasn't even aware that those experiences were really shaping, you know, the type of men I would attract, how I showed up in relationships with friends, family, and in relationships. You know, when your self-esteem and your self-worth and who you are as a person become challenged through experiences, it takes you to become evolved in mind, body, and soul to be able to manipulate and maneuver yourself out of it And use it to your advantage as opposed to allowing it to be a crutch that keeps you down. You know, and that is what I hope people get out of this conversation that they hear today is that you are not a victim unless you choose to be a victim. You can transform your mind around what that looks like. You can. And I know that it sounds easy that I'm making it sound easy. But the fact of the matter is it takes one choice to change your life. It takes one choice to say, I don't want to do this anymore. And this is not who I want to be. And so I want you guys to take a listen to the conversation had by Miss Lakeisha Anthony and I about surviving. And the, the different tips and tools you need to get on the road to healing. And know that it's not your fault. You didn't do anything to deserve what happened to you. And your truth is your truth. Stand on it. Walk in it. You will have support. And even if the people that you feel should be supporting you don't, that's OK, because there are just too many people out here today who are fighting for your truth, whatever that truth is. And know that um, it was powerful. I was listening to um, Drea's, R. Kelly's ex-wife's interview, and she said something powerful, which I used in this interview. And that was there's no exploration on my pain and you cannot dictate when I tell my story. And so I want you guys to hold true to those words because they are really real, they are very authentic. So please hold on to those words. So please enjoy this interview and if you have any questions, comments or concerns, I'll ensure that I reach out to you or if I can't answer your questions, Miss um, Lakeisha will reach out to you and I'll ensure I provide her contact information along with the recording. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoy again and I'll see you guys on the other side of the interview.
1: Uh, my name is LaKeisha Anthony. I am the founder of an organization called Voice, which stands for Victory Over Inconceivable Cowardly Experiences. It's a sexual abuse survivors' network. I am a local activist and advocate. I am a sexual assault counselor and author, motivational speaker, I wear many hats, but ultimately the biggest thing is that I'm passionate about ending sexual violence in
0: my community and abroad. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on. I'm excited to begin our discussion this afternoon. So I think getting down to the nitty gritty of just abuse period, right? Because this whole R. Kelly thing brings up a lot of things that happen internal to our community and the way that we deal with it and you know uh, how things come about and how people become these abusers in the first place Mm -hmm. and you know I've listened to a lot of interviews let me tell you I was not gonna watch the special did you watch the special I did um I wasn't gonna watch it and some of my co-workers were standing you know in the hallway kind of talking about it It was too. Um, black guys they were standing outside talking about it and they were just going back and forth back and forth and I kept saying to myself well I don't want to watch it because I really don't want it in my spirit Mm -hmm. and they were like no you should watch it. you should watch it." so I literally binge watched it that same day because I just could not believe it I could not and every story they told all the tears they cried it was a lot it was a it was a it was almost unbelievably a lot and then I started to think about him How did he get to that place as a person? You know, they told his story of abuse, but you always wonder if you're abused and you know what that feels like, why do you become the abuser and afflict that same pain onto someone else that's going to carry the same pain that you felt? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that that's where it was kind of a, a disconnect for me, and I think a disconnect for me as a person who has suffered, you know, uh, being molested by someone close to me and watching others also be abused in that way. I could not imagine that happening with my children, or me allowing it to happen with my children, or being a person that imparted that type of abuse. Mm-hmm. So, I would just like to know, you know, from your perspective, when you think about this whole thing, when you watched it, what were some of the thoughts that you had?
1: So, ultimately, I was horrified, like everyone else in the world, about how this actually went on. And there were many people who were complicit in allowing this to continue, as well as to how the dysfunction of this man and his constant abuse of individuals uh, was able to continue to go on for as long as it did. And in regards to what you said in reference to like, well, if you know this pain, then why would you do this pain? But we hear this all the time, hurt people hurt people. We mm. also have to know that dysfunction and is learned. So if R. Kelly was abused, then there's possibly uh, the, the, the concept that he does not know what a functional relationship looks like um and now some now he's mirroring some of the behaviors in which he was shown as a young person then that does not mean or excuse his behaviors Mm -hmm. but you have to think about what that does to someone and when there is no one to stop it or to interject in those moments that sometimes you can possibly believe that those things are um are not necessarily okay, but this is this is a way of life. Let's think about mm-hmm. how many yeah. people might deal with their trauma and their coping mechanisms of dealing with their trauma. how they cope they they feel like okay well, I'm coping in this manner and this manner is it just works for me mm-hmm. I mean so, and yeah, I mean yeah. it's hard to really get into the mind of an abuser um and and what makes you think it's hard to get into the mind of an abuser and how that particular abuser would continue to do certain things knowing that they know the pain but Mm -hmm. you also have to think about the dysfunction that is learned you also have to think about the the uh the impact of the brain you have to think about um the lack of healthy relationship modeling the Mm -hmm. idea of grooming processes that happen for him that he might actually have now taking those particular processes and utilize those processes as well, because that's what he was shown
0: so what about so tell me this and that's true hurt people do hurt people, and I've watched it manifest itself in my life and in the life of people that are close to me but i but I would like to I would like to pose this question to to anyone and you know of course, please do chime in on this if you know the impact that something has on you and you know what that felt like you lived it. Where do we begin to say that abuse stops with me? You know, I'm breaking that curse over me because abuse has, has gone on in the black community for generations. Many, my mother and her sister were abused by their uncles and, and further down the line. And then you get to me and, and I'm, you know, my generation after them, like it has to stop here because I have to make sure that I protect my children. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you begin to let that be the standard in your life?
1: Well, one, I think you have to have a realization that this is dysfunction, that this is abuse. And oftentimes people normalize abuse within Mm -hmm. relationships and it begins to continue to be able to perpetuate itself from family member to family member or Um, over and over again until people really recognize and realize that this abuse has occurred Mm -hmm. and this abuse has impacted me in this particular manner. Um, So for example, with my own abuse, it wasn't necessarily like a generational thing, but there was some dysfunctional things that were happening within my life that, you know, me not valuing myself, Mm -hmm. um, my uh, severe depression and post-traumatic stress disorder and all of these things that I attempted to cope with, and i realized that i was doing more damage to myself than i was hurting helping myself mm-hmm. and i had to come to the realization that hey i need to get help right so it's a matter of you waking up and realizing that this thing has impacted you in the manner that it has mm-hmm. and then taking the step and the courage to go forward and to do the work that is necessary to um kind of i don't want to say repair but in order to to help you process and cope with what has occurred and it's like a healing right like healing so when you step into that healing process it's it becomes something that is okay and Mm -hmm. then you have that idea of after i've gone through this process of healing now what do i do with that Mm -hmm. and some people you keep it for yourself and some people want to give that and kind of make sure that everybody else gets that there are also some people who are just like okay and i'm still not quite there yet so i'm just still working out my own thing Mm -hmm. and and all of those areas okay and it's just a matter of where that person is and what they want to do with what they've gained when they came in
0: right so so like let's take a person like r kelly like r kelly is apparently from what we were speculating and what's reported He is still today the same man he was 20, 30 years ago where he was hanging out at the high schools, picking up little girls and going to the mall with his friends and picking up little girls. What is the trigger? You know, what has to happen in your life that triggers you to say, okay, enough is enough and I have to make a change today because I'm hurting people, I'm breaking up families. I mean, the list goes on and on for the impact that what he has done has a you know has done to the people in his life that he's touched the little girls that he's taken away from their families the families that are forever changed because of his actions so the people around him of course are not the ones that are going to give him the realization that what he's doing is wrong because of course we saw that they're still allowing him to be who he is because of who he is. What are the triggers for him how do you how how do we say? The trigger you have to come to the realization. Some people don't. How do we help them? What are the triggers? What are their triggers, and how do we help them?
1: I really can't really answer that because I I can't really truly get into the mind of a, of an abuser, mm-hmm. um, be in that retrospect of like what will trigger someone to get that help. I just mm-hmm. think that one it starts with people stop being complicit, um, mm-hmm. and and if. That's like someone having a yes man. If I constantly have a yes man, then I'm going to always think that what I'm doing is okay. So I think that it starts with someone calling it out um, and someone actually addressing it and someone actually holding him accountable for some of those things that he's done. Mm -hmm. And I think the the longest he's not, or any abuser, I think, um, that is not being held accountable for their particular actions and they might feel like they could, possibly continue to perpetuate these particular things. Mm -hmm. And I think that it comes a time for someone to kind of stand against that because I'll I'll think, think about it in the retrospect of when I am thinking about like bystander intervention and preventing sexual violence from happening. And as you see a perpetrator who will continue to challenge the people around them, Or to, in in a sense, groom people around them. And if no one challenges that and stands up against that, Mm -hmm. then what does that do? Right. Um, And then I also believe that it is is up to the individual themselves to really, you know, do the work and really process of what they're really doing and I think that if you don't it's like someone being on drugs constantly doing what they're doing um if an event that you are constantly exhibiting this particular behavior but yet you never examine your behavior then how can you rehabilitate yourself in the process of this if you're not even acknowledging the behavior that you're actually exhibiting
0: right and I think that I I so I'm kind of there in the sense that, you know, when you think about triggers and you think about someone like him, he has a lot of people in his network. I mean, he didn't have to go get the marriage license when he married Aaliyah, somebody else went and got it.
1: And you my know? thing is, I'm sorry.
0: No, it's okay, huh?
1: Triggers, like, well, when I think about triggers, I think about those things that are harmful to you or triggers that make you kind of... um off kilter in reference to whatever you might be experiencing and now the thing about it is like well what is that light up for him right I, like I don't know what that light up could be um because I can't really understand the mind of an abuser at this moment um there are studies and we talk about the minds of abusers and we look into that but ultimately the regular mind can't really get into that Um, And we're, you know, there is research in reference to predators and and things that nature that kind of shows the mind of a predator. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a matter of examining those particular things and seeing uh, where we can use preventative measures to ensure that these things don't happen in our community. Right.
0: And, you know, it's funny because um, it's so delicate. The mind is a real thing. The chemical imbalances in a mind is a real thing and you know I'm not a doctor I don't do the research you know that's not my thing but I do understand that it's the same thing with addiction when there's a chemical imbalance that that can lead to those addictions that you know become the thing you need it makes you feel like you need it it has to be a part of your life you have to do it and you become programmed to believe that that's the way that it's supposed to be so when i say triggers you know i want to know what is going to create the space in time that's going to make a person who is victimizing others and knowing that they are victimizing them say okay wait I'm hurting them and I remember how this feels and there may not be anything that we can do you know that the person can actually do because there may not be a time for them where that happens and then for some people that there may right but like you said I think it all hinges upon The people around people like him being honest about what's actually happening and calling a thing a thing. You are hurting these girls and we are watching you do it. And instead of thinking that, oh, it's okay because of who you are. No, we have to stop this because we know how it's going to affect the lives of these people that you touch because abuse is it's lifelong. Strength, the strength and courage of a person to get beyond the abuse that they've experienced and do something positive with it. It takes a strong person to be able to do that because abuse breaks you down and it changes the way you look at yourself. It changes the way you perceive situations. It changes the way you show up for yourself, the way you show up in relationships, no matter who it is. And so, all of those things have to be considered that he is going after children who are impressionable. Who have no idea.
1: That children that you can actually take advantage of. Yes. Children that can't ultimately say for themselves that yep. this is okay or not. And I think the notion of and this is a lot of what we've been hearing, like, oh well, um, these girls are fast or that and the mm-hmm. notion that, um, well, why are girls going after Older men. The question is not why girls are going after older men, but the question is, is why is an older man after some young girls? Listen, and I think that we need to begin to shift yes. the culture in that retrospect. And I think rape culture is prevalent in our society, especially in our community, where yes. we constantly blame the victim, and not only blame the victim, um, but ultimately blame blame the victim. But then when it comes to black girls, blaming black girls mm. about why they are over hypersexualized, why why they are um, are accepting of certain behaviors, and why are they accepting of certain individuals? Or even why like their bodies. bodies? We should be holding accountable right. those individuals that are going after these particular young girls, and not only young girls, but young boys as well. I mean, oh, we have to do a better job too. at protecting our children and mm. and and providing for our children in a way um, of safety safe spaces because if r kelly was hanging out around high school then where would where are the people who stood around and said hey you can't hang out here
0: Mm -hmm. and of course nobody was going to say that to him unfortunately so then that holds the that holds everyone else accountable around him why have we allowed certain things to be acceptable even though we know that it is wrong because it's our job to protect the kids it takes a village You know, so it's our job to protect our children, and they don't know. You know, and then people have even blamed the parents, and I struggled with that because if you have a, you have to put in perspective. If you do, you have children.
1: I do not have children. Okay. I do have a ton of brothers and sisters, and so you understand.
0: So I I look at it like this: I have a daughter; she's about to be two, and I'm thinking, had she had a talent and someone, and she was really passionate about it, and someone discovered her and they're telling me, oh, we have a team, oh, we're this and that, I'm going with her to the studio, or her dad is going with her to the studio, and we're there, and we don't see anything crazy, and then all of a sudden she come up missing. That's not a fault of the child. That is that he has manipulated that child, and now that child is looking at him in a certain way, because there
1: are
0: parents who are still fighting for their children because they're proactive. You know, they love their kids. And so I, I don't like... I don't like making the parents the culprit or even, you know, when you were saying how they hypersexualize the kids and everything, they sell sex all over the place. You know, it is not a taboo topic anymore or even blaming the little girls for, you know, being developed at a certain age. Like you still know she's a child.
1: Exactly. You know, and the idea of the parents, we also have to think about and really look into the grooming process. When someone's being groomed for sexual assault, the, nine times out of 10, that, that family is being groomed as well. So it's not just like, oh, the one child is being groomed, the family's being groomed. And it's ultimately a barriers of trust that are actually built in order for that person to come in and swoop in and begin to be able to um, ultimately victimize that particular child. So it, like with those families, many of them were groomed mm. in order for that to occur. It so you think, not they, just, and I would, don't think just... that we want to talk about what grooming looks like yeah. and how that actually is exhibited in particular situations.
0: Yeah. So when you say groom, you mean that the stage was set for them to fall into the trap of trust.
1: Exactly. Okay. And, you, and, and once that trust is built, you're utilizing that level of trust yeah. in order to continue to do and manipulate and do what you were done, du- what they were set out to do in the beginning. Yeah. So if I, as a perpetrator, if I know that I built the trust, now you're not looking for something to seem odd Mm -hmm. so if my child did go to the studio with that individual I'm not looking for something to occur Mm -hmm. um and I'm trusting that this person is actually doing what they're supposed to do with my child
0: And you know, it's funny because, you know, when I think back on some of the things that I heard some of the girls say and how he kept them separated and he, they weren't allowed to deal with each other and everything, you know, that is, that is the mind of a master manipulator because guess what? If you take away their resources and you put yourself as their sole point of reference, they, they're going to consistently look to you. You know, so he set the stage for them not to have the resources to say, this is probably not right. Not talking to my family, not talking to any of the other girls. And that kind of blew me away because it's almost like if he was, if he was abused a few times in his life or well, however long, I think it was a couple of years or something that they said in the documentary, he was um, abused. for. a couple. How did he, where did it come from? that he decided to set these houses up. It blows my mind. Set these houses up and near, and put these girls in cages. I was listening to uh, Drea's interview. I can't remember who interviewed her. She was on some show and I listened to it today. And she said something really powerful. And you know, the girls didn't, they weren't locked in the rooms or anything like that. But he got to them to, to a point where they were fearful of leaving. You know what I mean? How do you get to a young girl who has been terrorized to a point that she's fearful of standing up for herself because then that that'll filter down into the rest of her life right when she gets out of that situation how does she recover from that you know what i mean it's uh what he has done has created an impact for a lifetime these girls couldn't tell these stories without crying and this has been years and years ago that this stuff has happened to them some of them have moved on and gotten married where does the healing begin? So that this is not something that passes down into their lives,
1: and I, and I think that the healing has already begun for them because they are speaking up. The um speaking up and allowing to, and you utilizing your voice and to speak and to share your truth is a part of healing, and yep. and it's a great part of healing. And that it, it's a it's an avenue of taking your power back. And I think that they yeah. have already started that process. Yeah, um, but to when you experience certain things, those experiences will live with you for the rest of your life. It is a part yes. of your reality. Um, now, those impact, the, the impact of those experiences might not be as great as it was prior. It is something that is constantly a part of who you are. But as you grow and as you become more resilient and as you go through the healing process, it then becomes something that has happened, but it's mm-hmm. not something that owns you. And I think that that's where those women are in a place where now they're speaking out, they're telling their story, they're unashamed of what occurred. Yes, thinking about the fact that I was in the matter of bondage that I was in Mm -hmm. um, is ultimately um, very triggering for me or it does render some emotion because it it is a very hurtful experience. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, this stuff does not own me. You do not own me. And I'm able to live my life in a way that is beneficial to helping other people to know many of them are doing great advocacy work. Many of them are doing great work within their communities in regards to this issue, because they Mm -hmm. know what it's like. So I think that many of them have already started their process Kudos to them for starting and for sharing their particular stories and knowing that and and sending the message that he does not have power over them
0: anymore. Yeah. And I think that, you know what, that's key. I think anytime you experience anything, even if it's not abused to this degree, I really think that the first thing that anybody needs to do is understand it's not their fault. You know, release themselves from the obligation and the, and the bondage that they hold over themselves over something that was done to them. That they didn't have control over.
1: Well, it's a lot to do with the stigma of sexual violence in and of itself. Um, Yeah. The stigma around that, and most people who do experience forms of sexual violence are, there is shame associated with it. Yeah, it is. So, um, because of that shame, many people are silent about those things, and many people Mm -hmm. do suffer in silence because of the shame that is attached Mm -hmm. to the the particular experience. Um, And, you know, it's a matter of beating and getting to that point where where shame does not control you, and you realize that it's not your fault. Um, But I also think that that is a society thing, that we need to help to remove the stigma that is surrounding sexual violence. We need to continue to tell the stories of everyone, including Black girls, and regarding sexual violence, so people do know and understand that this does occur in our communities, and that there is help, and there is support, and that there are people in there around who look like them who have experienced similar situations and yet they're not alone in their experience. Mm-hmm.
0: And and I think even societal um, norms have been to victimize the victim. And so I think a lot of times People do feel ashamed before they even come out because that's the way that, that things have gone. If a woman speaks out about something that happens, then yes, there are women who speak out and they're lying. You know, they're not telling the truth. But if we stick, if we jump to that as the conclusion that everybody's lying, no one will feel comfortable in their truth.
1: Right. You know, and, and I that- think... A-
0: I think a lot of the different cases that we've heard about the different powerful men who have abused these women and then they come out 20, and 30 years later, like a lady literally called into the radio show and was going off on Drea Drea, and, and telling her she was stupid because she should have left and you want to wait all of this time now. And I'm thinking as a woman, there's no expiration on a person's pain or experiences. How dare you as a woman tell her she doesn't have a right to feel like that? But if you even have your own people, your own people and your own, you know, gender bashing you for walking in your truth, you don't want to walk in your truth because you feel like it's not going to be received in a positive way after you've already tried to shed yourself of the shame and the guilt. You know what I'm saying? Exactly.
1: And I think that that is the problem. And this is the reason why we need to remove the stigma surrounding sexual violence and also why we need to continue to have these conversations real conversations in our communities about sexual violence and it happening and also just noting that when these things do occur that there's shame attached to these particular experiences no matter what and we also Mm -hmm. have to note that um when people do speak up that we do have to begin to believe them and that we have to begin to support them and to validate their voices and to let them know that it's okay and that they're not alone in these Mm -hmm. particular experiences. But I also think that for me, it is the ignorance of individuals who do not understand what it's like to have, to be sexually assaulted. And what I call that is the miseducation of sexual abuse or the Mm -hmm. miseducation of what it means to be a survivor. And I think many people want to think of things from a logical standard and a logical standpoint, when in all actuality, when you are a survivor of sexual assault, there is not logic involved in that particular experience. Mm -hmm. Um, People don't understand the impact that it has on your brain. Many people don't understand the impact of of the the magnitude of shame and all of those things that many survivors do experience unless you've been there. And Mm -hmm. I think um, Lady Gaga talked about it like, um, don't wait until it's you or someone you know, or someone you love to be able to try to dig in to understand it. And granted, sometimes it doesn't make sense, right? right. Why would somebody, you know, the, the logic, from a logical standpoint, it's like, well, why would somebody ultimately not say anything for a long period of time? But if you have ever experienced that, and if you took the time to study what it happens to individuals who've experienced sexual violence, then you might have a better understanding to understand why somebody waited. I waited 12 right. years till I said anything to anybody about my experience and why because there was shame why because I was severely depressed why Mm -hmm. because I was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder why Mm -hmm. because I felt like there was nobody that looked like me that said that they've experienced sexual violence so I felt alone in my experience so I think that we have to really think about those particular things and also we have to be conscious and careful of the things that we say as we're talking about other experiences that are coming out within the news because and this is the topic that more people are talking about, but yet survivors and people in our families um, and that we know and love are actually listening to the responses of those yep. individuals. So if mm-hmm. an event that you are bashing someone because of R. Kelly or you're bashing someone because of some other powerful situation, a powerful man or a woman who might've been a perpetrator in some experience, and yet you're saying all of these bad things about the, the victim, then that victim the person who is actually suffering silence that is sitting next to you is saying no I will not tell that person I'm going to yeah, continue to keep this because they're going to
0: make that. me feel away and and that's the thing we have to be able to to make everyone feel embraced and we have to make everyone feel empowered in what is you know true to them what is fact to them what has happened to them because you and you know you you understand this as a woman when someone comes into your personal space that's the most intimate portions and parts of you and then you know when you're a spiritual and or religious person then it, it the meaning is even greater to you of what coming into your personal space actually means to you and as I watched this special I was in tears because I could not imagine someone doing that to me and then me actually being able to build up the courage to tell it and somebody shut me down like my truth means nothing to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it makes me feel the compassion for them. and I'm, And I'm proud of them, right? For even being able to get up and tell these stories, no matter how it feels, because you can tell that the pain still feels as real today as it did when the situation was happening. And I think as a community, as long as we understand that we don't get a right to judge people's experiences because we don't understand them or we don't get to shut people's truth down because it's not our truth, then people feel more, you know, um, receptive to coming out and speaking out about the things that they experience because they know that they'll be received positively. And people won't be like, well, that don't make no sense. Because I'll tell you, in all honesty, until I started to evolve as a person and really understand the dynamics of humanness and what that actually meant, I was very judgmental because, you know, I'm that church girl, I grew up in the church. Everything is black and white. There's no gray. It's either this, it's either that. And that is not the way it works when you live. You know, we all come from different places. We all have different backgrounds. So at the end of the day, you have to have compassion for people because we are all living. and We're going to all deal with things differently. Something will happen to me and it happened to you and it'd be the same exact thing. It could be the same person and we're going to experience that thing differently. You know what I'm saying? So I think that we need to, like you said, it starts with being able to release ourselves from the shame and the guilt and, you know, releasing ourselves from, you know, the, the ownership of what happened to us, being able to step out and people opening their mouths and saying, this is not okay. Like, I don't care how much money you have. Think about it. He's not the only man with money who has been able to get away with foolishness. How do we say you will never have enough power no matter who you are to get away with being a scumbag to get away with abusing people to get away with hurting people and changing people's lives because you don't have enough you don't have enough self-esteem and love for yourself to fix the things that's inside of you that are broken because that is what he is doing like you say hurt people hurt people he's a broken person so he's going around breaking every person that he can manipulate. And because he couldn't get to some woman that had evolved and knew who she was and was self-assured and walking in her truth and 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 self-aware and loved herself, he can't get to that woman. So he went to a little girl because she has yet to truly figure out who she was. Now, that right there is what blows me away about this whole situation. That it seemed like he had this thing worked out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He knew what he was going to do because he knew who the best people were to attack.
1: And most most predators know they're going to go with the vulnerable target because the vulnerable target is the easier target. Yes. And and, he, now, and the as no one is actually stopping it, they're going to continue. If they don't have anyone challenging it, it, it that becomes the easier target for them and they're going to continue to move forward mm-hmm. with that easier target. Um, and I think that just we have as a community just need to stand up against Sexual violence in a way that sends the message that we're not going to tolerate um, anyone who is actually doing these things within our community, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that that that's where it starts. And it and it and we also have to start within our homes as well. Um, that we're not going to tolerate those things. We're going to ensure that we end sexual violence in our community. That we speak up, um, and that we do not shame victims, and that we're not blaming victims, but that we support and we believe them, and that we also stand up when things are necessary when it's necessary to stand up
0: yes yes and i and, and that's where it and that's where it all begins right everyone being accountable everyone standing up everyone being comfortable enough regardless of the situation speaking truth and us holding each other feet to the fire when we're not doing stuff that's right
1: exactly but i also think that also it comes with education and awareness as well mm-hmm. so at the end of the day we can speak about this until we blew in a face about other people's experiences but at the same time as a community we have to ensure that we're educated and that we're aware and that we know what's really happening we acknowledge what's really happening within our communities, that it does happen it's not fake it's real things are really yes. occurring in our communities and we do need to address them um and 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 be educated about what's really occurring, and I think that that starts with us. And I think that this R. Kelly situation has allowed for it to become greater dialogue within our everyday communities and our everyday interactions with one another. And that's where it really starts. If we begin to have this dialogue with people, if we implement education and prevention methods, if we are standing up against certain things and that we're sticking up for survivors, then we can actually begin to combat this in a way that actually shifts and change our culture and shifts and change of how many people are actually impacted by sexual violence in our community.
0: Yes, indeed. And I think movements um that come about, you know, like the Me Too movement, make it easier for women to be able to stand on a platform with other women who truly are supporting them and helping them get the message out to be able to really say, OK, wait, this is wrong. This is what happened to me. And we're going after him because I get because the truth is without a movement this man will still be doing what he does. You know, to me, the movements that have come along have been able to shed light on these type of things and really, really bring it to the forefront and make it more known. Because even like in Chicago, he, he's he got these, you know, and even Drea, Drea, I, whatever, however you say it, she was even saying how, you know, even with the child support thing, he's got judges and You know, police officers and everybody on his team is why he's been able to get away with stuff for so long because money is making certain things get pushed under the rug. But when we come together and, you know, powerful, uh, our voices are so much more powerful together. And so I think it's just been really, really awesome that they came together and really put a light on this and really just did not let this die because he's still doing the same thing that he's been doing for many years and until somebody says okay wait enough is enough it's just going to continue to go on so I feel like the more they put the heat on him the more they keep looking at him then it's going to have the whole thing is going to have to fall apart you know, and then, you know, people can begin to get saved and the ones that don't realize they need to be saved can enter into a process that would allow them to become aware of what has happened to them, utilize resources and begin that journey of healing that they really need to, you know, get on because they don't, you know, because they're going to have to deal with the stuff that they've been through in order to really start living their lives the way um, that they are deserving of living. Mm-hmm. So... Anything else you want to add, dear, about the special or a last message you want to um, impart on victims, you know, having survived abuse yourself?
1: So ultimately, I just want any survivor out there to know that no matter what your experience may have been, to note that you are not alone to know that there is support out there and that there are people who believe you and will support you through your process um, and that your voice ultimately matters. And like you said a little bit earlier, is that if we unite our voices together, um, that we can continue to ensure that our voices are heard and sometimes it feels like as we're, if you're lifting your voice as one person, that it's not being heard. But I want to encourage you to keep lifting your voice, that your voice matter, and that as you find your voice and as you amplify your voice, that it becomes louder and, and louder and that there is another woman out there who hears or woman or girl or boy or anyone who's experienced some form of sexual violence. As you lift your voice, you light the candle for another person to be able to lift their voice as well. So continue to strive forward continue to grow continue to heal and and know that you're not alone in this experience and um my name is lakeisha anthony and i am the founder of an organization called voice victory over inconceivable Cowardly experiences you can contact me via social media all networks at a survivor's voice or my website at survivorsvoice.org or on instagram at i am underscore the voice and note that i am here to support any and everyone and ultimately if you really need assistance or counseling to contact your local rape crisis center to ensure that you get the help that you need in order to work through that process Um, and i thank you for having me tonight and i appreciate having this dialogue and note that this thing is not really about just about r kelly but this is about ending sexual violence in our communities no matter where we are just noting that we're not going to stand for predators and that we're not going to stand for sexual violence to continue to happen that we are going to shift this culture and that we're going to dismantle sexual violence in a way that it's never been before because we will not allow our voices to be overshadowed and that we will not stop speaking up and allowing people to know that sexual violence does happen that we can overcome this and that our voices do matter
0: Thank you. Thank you, dear. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, This was great for me. I'm so glad to even just hear your perspective and how you felt and just, you know, bounce some of my questions off of you and just get your perspective. So thank you again. And please make sure you contact her on all her social handles and I will make sure that I post them as well. So I hope you guys really enjoyed the conversation. Again, I will provide her contact information for you. And um, so that you can reach out to her if you need her services or if you're in the local area and want to attend any of her events. Um. So just to wrap up, guys, now that our time together is ending, we're coming to a close. I want to just put out there to you guys that. There are so many activities coming up this year for PBC, so many different opportunities that have opened up for me so that you can come out to hear me speak. Um, I am right now finalizing the details on a workshop, so you guys get on the mailing list to stay tuned for that. There will be another brunch in the city, likely the end of April, early May, right before Mother's Day. We're going to have another awesome panel, so you guys get on the mailing list for that. There's also a webinar that is coming up February 6th at eight thirty p.m. So guys get on the mailing list for that. That is totally free. So there's a group coaching program coming up called A Change Perception that runs quarterly. So don't miss your opportunity. There are only 15 spaces. It's a virtual six-week course. You get a workbook. We work through that and we come out on the, on the end with a plan of understanding how to attack who we are how to be who we are and how to use who we are to live the elevated lives that we want to live you know my mission here is to ensure that i coach people to and through who am i with a solid plan on the other side so that you can really truly live in your truth and walk in who you are and own that and begin to live your life like you know that and nothing can shake the foundation of that so anyway i love you guys Thank you again for listening. Share with a friend. And if you are not following me on social media, you can find me everywhere. Um, Purposefully Becoming Without The E.com is my website. And again, afford yourself the grace you so often afford others unknowingly. Blessings.